Hello and welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, my name is Declan. With me is my co-host Roger. Say hello, Roger. Hello. Good. Well done. You can perform a simple task. <laughs> uh, this is the Weekly Song Podcast. This is the podcast where we each bring a new song to the podcast um, weekly and discuss it and sort of take it apart and sort of see what went into the writing of it and what we feel, what we think, what the influences were. Just generally have a good old natter about some music which is one of my favourite things to do. Uh, is that one of your favourite things to do, Roger? It's one of my favourite things to do, and one of my favourite things to do with you. And I think that one of the reasons this show actually works is because if the microphones weren't on and we were just together hanging out, this would happen anyway, so we may as well record it once a week. Yes, the, the amount of time you've probably heard, if you've heard this show before, that we come up with the titles just as we converse and say silly random things the amount of times that we have real life conversations go that's a podcast title and realize that we're not recording <laughs> is, is depressingly often <laughs> there have been some great ones over the years that have never never made it to air because they didn't happen on the podcast <laughs> there was there was one just before we hit record today and i can't remember what it was but it was funny and it was a good podcast episode title. it was funny and you're, you're gonna have to take our word for it i'm afraid it, but it was tremendously funny because we are two oh. tremendously funny fellows you had to be there <laughs> It was hilarious. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> so, uh, the thing we actually do on this show uh, is is write songs. And Roger, I believe you have written one for us to listen to this week. Um, I have indeed. Yes, I wrote a song this week. It's probably the most upbeat song I've written for the podcast this season. It's a song called "Wait My Turn," and it goes like this: Where's that golden feeling? Lately, I spend my evenings new day dawning maybe i miss my warning maybe my sloop ain't what she seems maybe i hold my summon free to do as i do not see guess that i'll keep on loving every week i wait my time every day gets longer making my heart go fonder The rest of them wait inside I'm up to my neck in broken dreams She sings. So that was Roger's uh, sixth song for the podcast, uh, Wait My Turn. And you know what? I'll happily wait my turn if it means we get to listen to more music like that. I really quite like that. It's got a lovely little vibe to it. It's a, Like you say, it's a, it's a slightly different one uh, tone-wise for you uh, this this season. Uh, was, was that a conscious thing going into it or was it just a habit sort of happened? Well, I think it's kind of a, a semi-conscious thing that we both do to some extent of like... If we're going to write seven or eight songs over the course of a season, you kind of want to vary it a little bit. It's like putting an album together. You're like, you want you want some ballads and some rockers and some up-tempo things. So it's just a result of that, really. I kind of love the vibe of this one, like that sort of stumps and claps sort of things to sort of keep the momentum of it going like as that constant device throughout the, throughout the whole song. Was that kind of there in your head as you were writing the guitar or was that just something you sort of thought about afterwards it, like is it foundational oh totally foundational yeah so when i was writing 
I knew that I wanted that beat, that boom, clap, boom, clap, boom, clap, boom, clap. So I recorded a bunch of uh, foundational tracks on the computer of me just doing that for like three and a half minutes or so. And then I wrote on top of that. So kind of like in that episode a few episodes ago where I did the drums first. Not quite as stringently dif uh, difficult as that, but um, but just kind of like I knew I wanted that sort of like two beat sort of thing, you know, kick snare, kick snare, that sort of thing, as opposed to the normal eight beat of doom doom ta doom 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 ta doom. It doubles that doom cat doom cat doom cat doom cat. It really provides it with a lot of momentum and a lot of forward energy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like it's it is a similar practice to your one from I believe the second episode where. Uh, yeah, you uh, have the drums first. You said that was inspired by Todd Rundgren that time. Inspired by Todd Rundgren that time in the second episode of this season. And this time, the whole song kind of came out of being at like a, a little gathering of people. And a few, from a few different angles, really, we had Janis Joplin playing on the speaker, um, just on shuffle. And I don't really know Janis Joplin's music very well, but uh, there was one song that came on and it was kind of this gospel pastiche thing and it was like the backing track was kind of like that sort of that boom tap doom tap doom tap and she was singing kind of like gospely melodies over it and I was like that's a really cool way to approach a song um because then it doesn't matter so much what chords you're putting in there the chords can be pretty simple but the actual atmosphere of the song is really carried by that beat yeah it becomes kind of the dominant sort of feature of it which allows you to sort of play a little more loose with uh like everything else and sort of just have a bit of fun with it like i did notice like all the little uh hammer-ons and pull-offs and runs on the guitar that that sounded like you were having a bit of fun doing that oh yeah it was so much fun to record and like i think the pivotal thing with this one was that there was a point where i was like this needs to be a fun song because it's like um i mean you and i were talking about this the other day like and it's like the mika thing of sad lyrics but happy music and that sort of weird disparity between the two uh so I, I knew i wanted it to be a fun song to perform and sing uh even though the lyrics aren't quite so fun mm. it's uh it, it kind of like gives you a sort of great into the to the whole thing where you sort of dance along with it and like you only realize afterwards like ah I see. <laughs> Hang on a second. It's like a, one of the quite famous ones is um, Outcast, Hey Ya, uh, which is about uh, like a loveless marriage and like them breaking down. But it's so upbeat and uh, <laughs> it's so upbeat and pop. <laughs> but it's like on every single wedding playlist ever. Yeah, exactly. Or like, um, I guess, uh, uh, what's it called? Every Step You Take by the Police. I guess that's not quite the same thing. That's not like a happy song, but um, but definitely that sort of like, oh, the lyrics are about that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's like, oh, that's not romantic at all. Oh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yes. Ooh, sting. Uh, but this one was like, um, we've. I feel like as musicians, everyone listening to the podcast has been in this position where you're with family or family friends at some kind of gathering, and then you have the inevitable question of, you're still doing that music thing, right? And I think... It's always an annoying question, or not annoying, but like it's always kind of like a difficult question to field. And as you get older, you know, I'm 31 now, and as you get older, the question becomes a little bit more embarrassing every time you're asked it. And I'm no less enthusiastic about music now than I ever have been. In fact, probably more so, probably more focused and everything. But it's always a difficult question, particularly when you're reflecting on this stuff of how you've changed since your 20s anyway. So it's bound to bring up these feelings. So it's not like it was some huge issue that was on my mind, but as you're writing every single week, anytime there's an emotional peak in your week, you generally like uh, <laughs> you generally um, think that could be a good lyric, lyrical topic. Because, you know, rather than kind of just writing something that rhymes, writing something with a bit of emotional content to it is usually a bit more meaty and something you can sink your teeth into. So that evening, as as everyone went to bed, I was staying at my dad's house and I was in the guest bedroom. So And there was a guitar in there. And I was thinking, I tell you what, if I get an early enough night, because I, I went to bed at like 10 or something, not bed, but, you know, to be alone and maybe write. And then, but there were other people sleeping in the adjacent rooms to me. I was like, I can't really write on guitar without disturbing other people so i thought as i've got this lyrical theme in my mind i'll just sit down and write some lyrics uh but it came out as more of a journal entry than it did a set of cohesive um lyrics 
The next morning I woke up and I read these lyrics and I thought, I've got the general vibe I was after, but it's so depressing. And I kind of like wrote it in a way of like, of like, this will be like a ballad, man. And it'll be so sad and it'll be like really, you know, and it was just too on the nose. It was too much. Yeah. If you lean into that sort of the emotion of it too much, it can just become cloying no matter how heartfelt it is. Like uh, there needs to be some sort of twist to it in some cases. And I can I can confirm this is true. Uh, we did meet up on Sunday, which is our last day for writing. And you were discussing this with me then. So did this, uh, for reference, we met up on Sunday afternoon. So was the rest of it all sort of tone of the musical element of it all conjured on that Sunday afternoon then? Yeah, yeah. So after we hung out, I went back home and I recorded myself doing the boom, cap, boom, clap, boom, th- into the computer, knowing that that's what I wanted to write to. Um, and there, there have been a few songs I've listened to recently, which have a more downbeat sound, but like expressed in almost like a comical way, kind of like this is like not out and out humorous, but like with an undertone. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, after you and I parted ways, I recorded the foundational thing. And then I just, again, I set the timer for half an hour. Cause at this point it was like, not crazy, but like seven o'clock and we had like five hours left to write. And... I kind of knew what the lyrics were about, but I had no real lines for them. Mm. So I ended up going, the first line I came up with was, um, where are we here? Where's that golden feeling, right? So like asking, where are these things that I've been wanting? Why haven't these things I've been thinking about materialized? So in a very broad sense, like that's something I'm trying to do a lot recently. is just like write about something personal to me, but in a broad sense that could maybe appeal to other people. It's talking about that feeling but via two metaphors, one of which is like the sort of boat fishing metaphor about fishing until the tide comes in and your boat being tethered, you know, like kind of like building this grand boat only for it to be tethered in the harbour sort of thing. And then another part in the chorus, I'm talking about a preacher speaking his sermon to a blind or a deaf congregation. So like he's he's not being heard or seen at all. Yeah, it's kind of that sort of metaphor of like feeling like you're just sort of shouting into an empty void where like there's nothing ever going to come back from that uh but like i kind of like the ironic sense that that's kind of what the lyrics are about in that sort of way but then you've said uh you said earlier on that this is sort of relating to that question of like so how's the the music going it's always (laughs) the music isn't it (laughs) like uh (laughs) as if the music is a discreet job but i love that you've got that sort of like oh what why haven't I progressed further in this? Why haven't I achieved the massive like uh, heights and things? And why hasn't there been more to this? Like paired with a very simple, but also very fun like way of making music, like uh, just with the stomps and the guitars there, you sort, it feels like the sort of thing where like if three or four people were in a room and they all played instruments, they'd be jumping on that immediately. Yeah. So you've got that nice contrast between the tone of the words and the vibe of the music. I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Are you aware of um, John Batiste at all? No, I'm not. No, unfortunately. Uh, he's got a uh, song called I Need You, which is kind of like a similar kind of vibe. But I think in interviews he said as well, like because uh, he obviously he plays like a, a lot of jazz stuff and a lot of more complicated stuff. But that one is really simple. And it's a similar sort of thing. It's like it's just a little reminder that uh, there's a joy in creating simple music. And that joy is something that we should always try and sort of keep in sight of oh i completely agree yeah i mean i think it's something i'm trying to like hone as i get older is just and particularly this season is just writing stuff that's simple and like not overly challenging for the listener i mean like probably like people who have listened to the previous seasons of the podcast they're listening to me saying yeah i I didn't want to write something that was so on the nose and like roger you've written ballads like a hundred times like i am the guy who writes ballads that are sad like i get that but I think, A, it's it's good to subvert your songwriting style sometimes so that you're trying new styles. And B, there's nothing wrong with writing a ballad about your feelings if it's expressed well and it's melodic and all the rest of the stuff. But I feel like the way the lyrics came out and the song that could have been this week would have just been so dreary that it wouldn't even really have bared listening to. I think also part of like your personality as a performer plays a big, big part in it. I think you've done a lot more slow stuff live than I have, but you've got a voice that suits it better. Your overall presence on stage is sort of calmer and more focused. 
the my scattershot lunacy. Um, <laughs> so like, so you can sort of play into that strength a bit more. So it makes sense that you've got more songs like that in your catalogue. And again, if you excel at like crafting these, you know, worlds through uh, so- music and words and everything, and you've got the voice to show it off, and you've got that presence and that vibe, absolutely go for it. Um, I don't. <laughs> I know what you're like, saying. A, you, you're much more energetic and stuff on stage, but then you have got you have got your fair share of ballads that are really well composed. Yes, but I don't play them live. <laughs> it's uh, oh yeah, that is true. Actually, it's knowing your sort of self and knowing your your presented persona as you perform. That was almost alliteration. No, it was alliteration. <gasps> it was. <laughs> I really like this one this week. I really love the tone of it and like the sort of timbre of everything. I think you could expand this one out more, but I think at the heart of it absolutely needs to be the slaps and claps and the sort of acoustic guitar and feeling like that's all happening around one microphone. Even if you brought in like extra instruments as the song goes on and more sort of weird stuff, the center of it absolutely has to be that vibe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it that around one microphone thing is the best way to describe the arrangement of like, even the guitar doesn't really need to be there. Like the only bits that it really provides data chordally is like in the chorus when it goes up to the A rather than being on the E. But generally it's the voice and the claps. Those are the two things that really pull the song along. So, so yeah, I appreciate the comments. That's pretty much all I've got to say about the song. I'm really excited to listen to yours. This This is our sixth song. Of the season. I don't know how it's gone so fast. <laughs> it, it's It's gone terribly fast, hasn't it? Terribly, terribly fast. Um, terribly, terribly fast. Uh, this song is, um, is my sixth <laughs> of the season. It's called Better Me. And it goes like this. I want to step back in my life. Take hold of the That is Declan's sixth song of the season, Better Me. I am a big fan of this one. This is really catchy and rhythmical and driving. Uh, This is absolutely fantastic. So uh, how did it start? 
Um, it started by having a bit of a play around on the guitar, as most of my songs do. What? Yeah, I know. Shocker, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so this one kind of was me trying to sort of initially what I was doing on the guitar. So I was trying to work out like how you'd get the chords for last week's song, Witness, which if you didn't hear, it was a sort of more bombastic piano song and then sort of playing around with the shapes of that eventually got me sort of slightly bored of that. So I decided, right, I want to write something that's a bit more forward momentum to it, a bit more sort of energy. So just started playing around with some chords. So there's kind of one bit of this song uh, where the movement is inspired by um, the riff to a Muse song called In Your World. The verses for this song go... That sort of low on two hits, high to three hits is kind of inspired by the rhythm of that. Sneakily slightly changed, uh, so I don't get done for copyright. Um, And different chords on it, but it was inspired by that sort of drive and that sort of beat to it. And when when you hear that song back, you'll probably pick that out. I think that's so cool how you started your song with the rhythmic foundation of a song that you like. I think that's something that new songwriters might come up against. They go, oh, I can't do that. I mustn't do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's so cool that you did that. Thank you. Um, Now that I've got this inch, I shall go in for the whole foot of plagiarism. Go on, son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, started off with that and then sort of started off. Initially, the verses were all based on that dun 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 all the way through. Realize only really need to do that the first two times. Resolve and then have like a reset phrase, which is where that riff comes from. So to give you an idea, the chords in the verse are A flat rising to C minor, F minor rising to C minor, to C sharp. And then that riff is C, B flat, A flat. Uh, so it's it's fairly diatonic. It's fairly simple stuff. What I quite like is it's the root to the third, to the sixth, to the third. Mm. So like both starting points of the relative scales going to the fourth. That's so clever. I like that. Thank you. I wish I could say it was intentional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then that descending section, which is one, which is A flat, five, which is E flat, four, which is C sharp, and then... F minor, E flat, which is six to five. Again, this is a very diatonic song. I feel a bit weird about this one. (laughs) Sort of to get a sense of a different direction because the direction in the front part of the verse is generally upwards. That descending part obviously is generally downwards. So those two sections are nice and distinct. And then you come to the chorus, which is four, C sharp, to three, C minor, to five, E flat, F minor to E flat to sort of reset that. The final time round is C sharp, which is a four, C minor, which is a three, B flat minor, which is a two, and then before it resolves back to the one, you get that riff there, which has got C B flat A flat, which is the starts on the third of the root and the root note of the root. Uh, I hope that is nice and clear for you. If not, I apologise. <laughs> I need to uh, need to get better at like a. Dictating this stuff on the radio. This is all, it's fantastic and it's so well thought out. And I love that that riff, like you say, is a reset passage and it kind of acts as a punctuation in, in between the sections. You've got ascending and descending um, chord progressions and there's so much thought that goes into it. And I know that you normally write your music before you even really work on your lyrics. Was that the case here where you really crafted this like pretty complex arrangement and then you went to lyrics? Uh, yes, that was true for this one. Uh, so I sort of ended up with the sort of tone that you more or less hear on the demo, where I feel this one is like a indie pop punk kind of thing. That kind of energy, mm. that sort of very bright, very janky guitars kind of thing uh, to sort of sell the energy of it. So that kind of dictates more or less what the tone of the vocal line is going to be. It also kind of dictates the subject matter to a degree. So trying to come up with a vocal line on top of it, which is not necessarily doing the same thing as the root was a little challenging, but I got there in the end. Writing within my vocal range for this one was difficult, but I just about managed it. 
I was lucky that I wrote it in a flat because <laughs> uh, that sort of reset um, uh, phrase at the end of the chorus, the F minor to the E flat, is about the top of my range for singing when you get to the I'm falling. Like, I can't really go too much higher than that. So if I if I had, there would have been trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's one episode on this season where I'm singing an octave below where I should be. <laughs> we avoided that this time. <laughs> uh it it works really really well structurally and melodically. That's what I was thinking as well while I was listening to it is it's definitely got that sort of I almost get like a late 90s early 2000s vibe from this. Um I don't know quite which band, but there's sort of some bands which come to mind with how this could be produced and the fact that you were trying to write something more driving really comes across because as I said to you while we were listening to it you can almost hear the drums as it's going along and you can hear the backbeat I think the one weak area of this song so far is trying to tie all the words together the lyrics are kind of about uh sort of self-imposed isolation uh, which I think we've all done to various degrees I know I definitely have done in the past yeah uh, so this is <laughs> Don't say that like you're agreeing with me. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I have too. I'm not saying, yeah, you have, Declan. I mean, I have. I'm trying to relate to you. <laughs> Why won't you let me in? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> So if you don't, if you uh, wonder why the weekly song podcast isn't here next week, you now know exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you embarrass me on the show. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is kind of about like some of those moments. I've had a few of them over the past year, uh, where you sort of sort of withdraw yourself and that's not necessarily healthy, but you suddenly, you suddenly get these moments of clarity where you realize, you know what? I actually like hanging out with people. I like being a social creature. <laughs> yeah. Can I do more of that, please? <laughs> yeah. It's um, a weird feeling, isn't it? Where you go... I've as I've identified as someone who likes to be a shut in, but actually that was fun. That was fun being with my friends or whatever. Yeah, could do that again comfortably once maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so verse one's all right. It's kind of like establishing like, yeah, I'm I'm beginning to see a need to reconnect with people. I'm going for a couple of cliched uh, rhyme schemes, but we'll we'll sort of breeze past that. It generally fits in with the tone. I like the chorus. Whereas you get this sort of sense of like, okay, right, I am just sort of stuck in this pattern. I need someone to sort of push against me to sort of get me moving, which leads into the title of the song. I need someone like you to better me. Mm. And then you get into verse two where it's kind of like a repeat of the first couple of verses or elements of them. But like from the point of view, okay, right, you need to come into this life and make it better then. I, it's one really dumb line that I actually quite like, but it is very dumb. Um, <laughs> which is the, uh, we've gotten so far apart, so come over here. <laughs> so, oh, you silly sausage. You've just wandered off to the other side of the room. Come on, come on, come back, come back. No, it's like it's like if your dog wanders off, you're like, no, 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 I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Tilly, Tilly, over here. Yes. Oh, good girl, good girl. <laughs> But it works melodically, I think, is the main thing. It it is it fits into that slightly dumb sense of songwriting, which I quite like. Um, and again, it ties nicely into the uh, chorus. And then there's no synthesis. There's no point where you sort of combine the two ideas of wanting to reconnect and having other people come in to reconnect you. So this song, to me, feels a little incomplete it's much longer than most of my other songs this one is nearly three minutes which i'm shocked about um i know bear in mind we normally write like two minute songs because we, we like short songs what can we say but yeah i feel this needs like a bridge or a third verse or something just to sort of tie everything together and maybe a third chorus where like you can twist the message slightly and i'm not entirely sure where you would sort of go with that. So I need to have a sit down and a think about it. But also, it is about two minutes 45-ish. Would that make the song too long? I mean, you've really set yourself up with this song to work out a lot of things by the end of the song. So I think extending it a little bit 
isn't a bad thing because it's uh two forty five or odd at the moment. If it were like three fifteen, two forty five and change. Yeah. <laughs> if it were like three fifteen, three thirty. That's just a normal pop song length, and that's enough time to get your bridge in and explain a little bit more, and and like you said, synthesize those two perspectives together. I don't know if you get this as well, but I sort of kind of forget that two minutes, that three minutes, four minutes is a normal time for a pop song. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're sat here with these two minute songs going, have we made it too long? Have we made it too long? Have we put too much stuff in? I know exactly what you mean. You and I are both so guilty of that. It's that feeling of like, I've already I've already sang the chorus twice. Are people going to stick around if I sang it three times? <laughs> oh, dude, you would never get Bohemian Rhapsody out of either of us, would you? No. <laughs> no chance to stay away to heaven. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I, I, I have a song on my album that's like four and a half minutes long, and I did it on purpose because I made myself have a section in the middle it's just an instrumental section that repeats for like 16 bars. And on my lead sheet for it, I just wrote, breathe <laughs> to myself. <laughs> oh. So every time I record the song or play it through, I'm like, okay, just relax. It's fine. It's fine to have a longer song. Yeah. This is the part where we can just have a bit of a bit of a bit of a relax and a bit not have to think about anything for like 30 seconds or so yeah i was um i was listening to a, an interview with hayao miyazaki of studio ghibli recently and he said that one of the big signature things in his films is that he'll have dead space where like nothing no the plot isn't being moved along the characters aren't talking nothing's happening it's just like the train goes past or something and it's not really part of like the narrative and I think that's important in songwriting too, and it's something I do not do anywhere near enough. Yeah, I, I completely get that as well. It's that thing of just allowing... Well, it's it's breathing room, isn't it? It's just enough time to sort of take in what you've just seen. This is why guitar solos, I find them really useful, because they're a cheap way of doing the synthesis. Like, you can skip <laughs> any words that sort of need to be written there for, like, the two ideas to come together and just go straight into chorus three after having some emotional build up with the music and then just going into right here's the new perspective hope you're ready for it <laughs> yeah exactly like almost if you come straight into the third chorus after a guitar solo you're almost putting the ball in the in the listener's court by going here's a perspective change maybe it's changing from i to you you figure it out you figure out what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm doing this because i'm a very intelligent writer and not because i ran out of time <laughs> I'm doing this for you. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I think that's all I have to say on this one, really. <laughs> I think it's one of the best songs of the season. I do agree that it could maybe do that extra 30, 45 seconds of extra stuff. But, but at the same time, like, I mean, you only had to write a week to write this. And uh, it came out really, really well arranged and really well thought out. It's always difficult to go back to a song once you've kind of finish the demo but i think that would be really beneficial here i think it's a great song thank you um you're you're very very kind um i sh i shall endeavor to sit down with it in the future uh, and try and work it out it's very rare that i do that the one time i did do it properly i ended up with a really great song so maybe i should do it more <laughs> often <laughs> that is the funny thing with like uh developing an idea is i always think of that john lennon advice to george harrison of like when you sit and write a song, just sit there until it's done, because otherwise it'll be harder to finish later. But there's so many different takes on that. Like, if you finish a general structure of a song, that probably is best. But then if you come back to it a few months later, you'll have fresh ears, you'll probably have new ideas, and you'll probably develop it to a point that you wouldn't have done otherwise. There's a very old song of mine called No Surprise, where I had the music for absolutely ages. Uh, I used to play it to a lot of people and think like, oh yeah, this is this is what it's going to be. This is going to be a really cool song. I just need to get the words. I had it for a, a couple of months at least. And then it, it it was just on the back burner for ages, never got around to sort of finishing up, but I had the structure of it. And then just after an event uh, in my life, uh, I had the words for it suddenly. And it's just like, where the hell did that come from? And why didn't it come about two months earlier? <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling so well. Um, I'd probably told this story on the podcast, or at least to you in, uh, you know, off-air, Declan, but we had a music professor at college. Um, I studied music at college, and he was called Russell Milner, and he was a really good songwriter and lecturer. 
and he said that when his dad died, it was obviously a really emotional moment. And I think when he got the news, or when, sorry, when he came back home from the funeral, that day he picked up the guitar, probably still wearing the same suit, and tried to write about that moment. But he couldn't do it because it was still so fresh, there was no reflection time. And he said that he just didn't write for a few months, and he had the grieving process. And then after three months, he was able to write about it far more effectively and viscerally than he could on the day. Yeah, because you have time to sort of stew over all of the emotions and everything. You have time to sort of sort of gauge your reaction to things and sort of see just, you know, uh, how you have changed in that time. Because uh, you'll still know what it felt like at that moment, but you'll have no perspective on it if you do it at the time. Yeah, exactly, because the emotions are so raw. And it just made me think with, with your example, with No Surprise, where you had a life event happen something triggered the lyrics almost it sounds like where you were like now i know what to write about obviously i know what to write about and that's part of just like living not songwriting but it's living yes which is why we take several months off between seasons because we we need to live otherwise we run out of things to write about really fast <laughs> well i mean you you look at like really prolific film directors and stuff and while they are prolific and they put out a film like every year or two they do. They don't just release a film and then start the next one the next day. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. I don't make films, but you wouldn't have thought so. You would kind of like finish that, like pat yourself on the back, go out and have a drink and live your life for a few months, taking more life experience. And I think that's a good thing with lyrics, too, is like if you if you feel dried up and stuck of like, I don't know what to write about anymore. I feel like I've exhausted all my topics. Like, I think either living your life for a while or like reading different types of books or something can inform new lyrical ideas as well which i neglect so badly yeah it's 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 weird we both know what effect uh entering into different circles or changing your habits or doing new things or just even some something as simple as like deciding to go out for a walk in the evening every evening or like um you know, deciding actually you're not gonna watch that series, you're gonna switch over to this one. Or like just simple things like that. They can trigger seemingly subtle things that can spur new growth. And yet we are very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, well, you know, we're habitual creatures, you know. And uh, it comes back to what your song kind of touched on as well about isolating. When you're isolating and you're kind of, you know, in the work, relax, work, relax flow of things, ebb and flow of things, it's very easy to just stick on the same show that you normally watch because it's it's like comfort food. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes that is absolutely what you need and sometimes it's absolutely not. Yeah. And it's weird how, like, lyrics kind of work like osmosis sometimes, I'm sure it's the same for you. It definitely is for me, like where I'll read or not. I'll put it the other way around. Like I'll be writing a song and then a certain like phrase or saying or proverb or something will come out in my lyrics that I haven't thought about in years in some cases. And I'll write it down. I'll go, that fits the song perfectly. That rhymes and it works and it illustrates the point. But I haven't thought of that phrase in years. And it must be something I read like four years ago that now my brain's like, yeah, that fits. That's the jigsaw piece you need. Mm. It, it, the human mind is kind of weird how it suddenly sort of pieces everything together with a single idea. Um, I wish it did it more often. I get some great songs out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to Absolution by Muse this week and I really, really liked it. It was a really good recommendation. I know I'm like 20 years late, but it was great. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, like it's it, It's such a good record. It's that nice sort of crossing point while they're still like a heavy, heavy guitar band, but they're beginning to experiment with their sound more before they go off into outer space and get weird. Right. I think it's great with bands like that. There's a few bands where they get weirder over their career and there's like one point, there's like a tipping point before they go over the roller coaster edge and it's like, that's a cool point to to experience a band at. Yeah, oh, it's, it's such a great album. If you've not heard... Uh, Muse, or you've not heard Absolution specifically, just the one-two punch of Hysteria Blackout is just chef's kiss. Mm, I completely agree. That said, when I was listening to the album, I was in the car on the drive over to to seeing you, and I was listening to it, and I was thinking, what was the one-two punch Declan was talking about? And every 
uh, coupling of songs, I was thinking, is that the one? Was that the one? Because I couldn't remember because you either said it or wrote it in a message. And I thought it was um, Butterflies and Hurricanes and The Small Print. I thought that's the one two punch you were talking about because those two songs are just like, wow, like the pairing of them. Particularly Butterflies and Hurricanes where it just starts so small. And then to go into like that full on rocker with uh, small print where it just slows right down in the chorus. It's just really cool. I like that album so much. Same. I mean, we spoke about this the other day, but just the fact that it goes, not even goes from, but like like uh, melds together rock music, like really heavy, gritty, almost like Smashing Pumpkins to me, it sounds like sometimes, with like orchestral stuff and like piano things and synths, but it never feels out of place. It never feels like, oh, that was a bit of a weird turn. It always works the whole album through. I've done it. I've converted him. <laughs> I'll, be... <laughs> I'll get him listening to uh, The Second Law uh, next week. <laughs> is that the dubstep one? That is the dubstep one. <laughs> Mm, well, I, I I can't imagine that won't be a little bit dated, but I'm open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. Have you listened to anything else other than the muses? Um, I'm gonna have to do a you now and check my uh check my Spotify. Let's have a quick looky here. So while you're having a look through that, um, I've actually listened to your recommendation, uh, Regina Spector. Uh, I listened to I think the the debut album. Uh, listen to it this morning. Um, I, I I'm not sure what to make of it, to be honest with you, because uh, I don't recognise many of the songs. Uh, maybe I was just not very observant during that part of uh, that hit part of time. What was it? Two thousand and six. It came out. I, I'm not as familiar with the songs as I as I thought I might be. Um, There's some lovely little moments in there. Like the first song, I think I recognise. It's very nicely put together, and it's sort of piano focused. Uh, and you've got like these really lovely sort of constructions of songs. And then just sometimes it will go completely out of left field. Like uh, <laughs> like the song That Time. <laughs> hey, remember that time when I found a human tooth down on the land sea? Hey, remember that time when we decided to kiss anywhere except the mouth? Which uh, <laughs> sort of threw me for the loop the first time I heard it. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from all yeah. of a sudden? Because it alternates between between being like the singer songwriter kind of stuff and then just veering off to the left a little. <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's very eccentric in that way of like, you can be listening to a few normal piano ballads and then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell is that? Like, But I like that because that really varies. If the whole album was just piano ballads, it would be great, but it would be like... It wouldn't be very, like, you know, other things peppered in, I guess. It gives me a little Fiona Apple energy. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I need to listen to it again and give it its due. I, cards on the table. I've heard it once and I heard it this morning. Um, but, yeah, it's curious. It, it's intrigued me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I recommended that one as the first listen because it's very piano songwriting focus like all of the songs you could strip away all the extra production and you'd still have a good album of piano based songs and the is the melody is right there at the forefront and she's like quirky lyrically and everything but the reason i thought you'd like it as well is because it's got that thing where it pairs this kind of more traditional piano songwriting with a more like almost hip-hop in some places where you have drum samples and stuff and like some weird production choices, but like good weird and like uh, like kind of like we say, like ear candy or just like things where suddenly it feels completely different to the traditional view of things. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to do another listen on that one. But that's that's a good recommendation that <laughs> if you can't make me go, yes, you make me go. Hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, they're both equally valid responses in this week's item in this week's edition of the item things that make you go hmm it's <laughs> <laughs> our new item <laughs> well we've never ever come up with a title for it have we <laughs> no no um i think the closest we've got to is like what have you been listening to this week but that's just the thing we say at the start of when we ask the question <laughs> yeah it's just a question things that make you go hmm. <laughs> that, that could be good we could really produce it up and get like um a barbershop quartet to do the hmm 
Things that make you go. You're not getting me to do a barbershop quartet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the the uh, baritone. You've got a really nice low voice, and I've got like a middle voice. I can be down here. Or we could just get Sammy on to do all uh, four voices because he's got like the <laughs> widest vocal range of anyone I've ever known. Just calling up one morning, just like, uh, are you doing anything today? <laughs> <laughs> There's a barbershop quartet with your name on it. Um, well, the other thing I've been listening to this week um, is a re-listen for me. Um, it's a Todd Rundgren album uh, from, I think, let me just check the year, 1981, and it's called Healing. And it's a really odd album in the sense that it doesn't, it's not like a pop album. Um, side one is, it's very much a vinyl-ish album. Side one is uh, five, no, sorry, six songs that are all quite, um, I don't know the word really, new age sounding, but with like pop melodies and stuff. And it has verses and choruses. It's not very like ethereal. And then side two is um, healing parts one through three, time heals and tiny demons. And side two is just a meditation. And, uh, but like with, I'm doing this no justice by explaining it, but side two is a meditation that you sit with and you're encouraged on the record by Todd himself to find a quiet space and sit with your headphones on and listen and be guided by his voice through this meditation. And it's a really interesting listen. Um, It's an album like no other. (laughs) This sounds entirely not like not my kind of album, but entirely like your kind of album. <laughs> like as you were describing it, it's just like, yes, I can see why Roger has been listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um it's quite an affecting album in that when you listen to it, especially if you're like going through something quite heavy at the time, like I feel like it has a good effect. But um my favourite song on the record is a song called Golden Goose, which uh is just so different from the rest of the album. Um, Golden Goose, it must have been written outside of the, or like before or after the concept of like, I'm going to make a meditation style record, because it's just this really bizarre pop song about like the trappings of success and fame and things, but to this really weird squidgy uh, pop song type of sound. Um, We'll put a sample in that'll be much better than my description of it, but it's a very interesting record. I'll have to hunt it out. It sounds genuinely curious. Um. It might not be the best Todd Rundgren album to start with if you haven't heard a full one before, but it's a good sort of... No, I intend to start with it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the ideal Todd Rundgren album to start with, I reckon, might be something anything. Mm. You've recommended that one before. I still need to hunt that down somewhere. Do they have Todd Rundgren albums on Tidal? I don't know. Um, this more comes from the days where I was trying to hunt down CDs of things, and Todd Rundgren CDs are hard to find. That one specifically. Well, uh, this week we have nothing in the mailbox. I was going to say box, one more. I've been listening. So to. we are going to move. No, please, please go ahead. I'm sorry, I should have asked. <laughs> well, anyway, enough of Declan's listening. Uh, it wasn't going to be anything like major. Um, I've just been re-listening to uh, Silk Sonic record uh, this week. I forgot how good it is. Uh, the trouble is, it's now infected my brain uh, to the point where even if I get like a song from another artist um, uh, stuck in my head, it starts getting funkier <laughs> until the point where I'm basically I've just morphed it into into a Silk Sonic song. That's so funny. I need help. That is a problem. That's the. <laughs> I think that's like the first sign of addiction. <laughs> Just like anything with a mid-tempo beat eventually turns into Fly As Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I I mean, it's such a good record, isn't it? It's just one of the best records. But I wouldn't be surprised if if they don't make another one. I feel like it's just one of those golden moments in music where maybe I never got the impression they like each other. I don't know why I thought that, but I think they uh, went on tour together. I think Anderson Pack uh, opened up for Bruno Mars. Citation needed. But I've I've gotten a bit more into Anderson Pack over the past couple of years. Um, and I really appreciate all his contributions. I can certainly tell his drumming now. Like I can hear little bits of him in there. And no no disrespect to him, but the minute Bruno Mars comes in and sings, he's just like, oh, wow, that is a voice. That is a voice I wish I had. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. That's about all we have time for. Well, actually, we have time to do more, but we don't have anything really more to say. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode and you have comments on the show or uh, things you want to talk to us about or songs that you wrote in a week that you want to send in, then email us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at weeklysongpodcast. Find us on Facebook and YouTube uh, by searching Weekly Song Podcast. We're the only Weekly Song Podcast on those platforms, as far as I've seen. Ah. And... And you can find uh, Declan and my project Schnookums, Schnookums on all major streaming platforms. And we have an, our debut album out called Attaboy. Uh, so Schnookums is spelled S-C-H-N-O-O-K-U-M-S. We're on Instagram. We, we're not on Facebook, but we will build a Facebook page at one of these days. When we remember to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we really encourage you to listen to our first record. We've got an EP in the works at the moment, which we'll be recording for, actually. Um, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after, which will be really mm-hmm. fun. And uh, yes, anyway, enough shameless plugs. Actually, wait, some more shameless plugs. Hooray! Declan, where can people find you and your music online? You can find me online on the streaming services. Uh, the, the various ones that there are. I seem to have turned into Matt Berry. <laughs> Father! <laughs> uh, you can find my music on Bandcamp if you just search Declan Kitchener. Um, uh, that, that's about it. I am on Instagram uh, at Camborner, uh, C-A-M-B-O-R-N-E-R. Yeah, that's it. Roger, where are you on the internet? Where are you right now on the internet so that people can find you? Well, right now on the internet, I'm uh, I'm on Discord talking to you, Declan. Um, but generally speaking... Um, there he is! There he is! Get him! Get him! No! I, uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. It's where I'm most active. That's at Roger Heathers. The link in my bio there contains a sign-up to my weekly newsletter and my Substack. I've started writing about music and including like clips from the album I'm making. The album I'm making is called Racing Alone and it's out on January 26th and I promise I won't postpone it anymore. Um, And you can also find my previous albums on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Bandcamp and all those places. And yeah, thank you all very much for listening to the show and we will catch you next week on episode 159. Um, Ta-ra! Ta-ra?